This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Jackson's there, Billy Dead. The goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stephen Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Good evening. It's been 22 hours and 10 minutes since the final whistle. And no, I'm not going to break into Sinead O'Connor, but I am still frothing away, and nothing compares to that decision last night by Mr. Donahue, the referee. Uh, welcome to everybody online and welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing, where you can get 10% off all online orders if you use our code of AHTTC10 uh, at magicrockbrewing.com. Okay, this week, sneaking out of the comments box into the box on your screen, our podcast provider, who let the dags out? It's Dag Barnett. And back for round two after an all-inclusive trip to Tenerife and now can't afford to go out for the next few Saturday nights, it's Johnny Gillespie. How are we doing, chaps? Good, thanks, Matt. Excellent. Well, thank you. Very good. Right, Dag, this is your first appearance. Uh, you know, we'll break you in gently, et cetera, et cetera, onto the podcast. Uh, just tell us a bit about yourself, how you, you know, your, your long-time long love of Huddersfield Town and some of your favourite oh. moments. And We'll get to know you a little bit more intimately. Well, I, I I know I don't look it, fellas, but I, I've been watching town in, in October, it'll be 43 years. So I, I've, I've pretty much seen it all in that time, from the the excellent, the Schindler penalty, to the, through the Wadsworth era, the administration. And and it, it seems to be a badge of honour for some people, but I was actually there at the 10-1 defeat at Manchester City in 1987. Um Sorry, I do know we that have caused a bit of controversy for some reason? I'm going to say, 
Phil, got Phil on the podcast, but now bless him. <laughs> no, that's that's great. I might, I might have been playing squash or whatever it was, but uh, no, I, I was I was actually there that day. Which apparently, apparently, it's um, it, it feels like something you had to be there. But um, so I've been I've been going a long time, fellas. Um, so I've seen it all, and I still coming um, week in week out like a looking for punishment. So you know, it's um. What's the old What's the old joke? If I'd have committed murder, I'd have got out by now. I say that's that's sort of one of the running jokes, isn't it, through Huddersfield fans? Because there's about ten thousand people reckon they were at that Man City game, don't they? It's one of those sort of funny things, and they, I don't know, it's about a thousand or something in the away end or something like that. But there's, I think there's there's absolutely everybody sort of lays claim that um, they've been there. But yeah. no, good stuff and good to there's, have you. There was, pl- there, was pl- there was plenty of space there that day. That's all. <laughs> Good to have you on board. So, uh, welcome Thank to you. everybody. Thanks for me. <laughs> no problem. Welcome to everybody who's watching online as well. Uh, JF says it's Prince. I don't know what that means. Oh, I think he means the song at the start. But I, I was going for seven hours and fifteen days. You know the Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. Thing, if that's what you mean, Jay. If not, my apologies. Uh, but right, so we're here. We're going to talk about West Brom, which Albion two, Huddersfield Town two. Um, Sticks in the throat a bit this one, doesn't it? It's uh, a team selection. You know, the team selection for Carlos looked fine to me. Um, everything looked good. The you, you back to the usual four three three, which we've been doing lately. A bit of a cagey start, first fifteen minutes. Good save from Nichols from Alex Mowat. Uh, and then, to be honest, Town really took full control, didn't they, of of the game until around the eighty minute mark. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, I thought this was an outstanding away performance up to that point. I thought Huddersfield were, were really good, really good in control, uh, used the ball really well. Russell Hogg in, in midfield, you know, created a great platform. Lewis O'Brien, as always, with, you know, the fantastic levels of energy. Um, and then Danny Ward selflessly charging around up front. Absolutely uh, fantastic as well. Uh, charged Sam Johnston down for goal one. It's just kind of um, really, Dag, um, just rewards for how well Danny Danny Ward works, isn't it? I think, you know, it's. I, I have to be honest and say, when we re-signed Danny Ward, I just couldn't see it. And obviously with his injury problems last year, you know, we just didn't get any value from him. But he's just got so much better and he's so much fitter. And he's, you know, we've got a spine in the team now, haven't we? And when he's not there, witness Forest game potentially, you, you just realise how much you actually miss him. Because the, I think they were saying on the comments and Hef and McEnough were saying, weren't they? The amount of work he does off the ball is unreal. And he gives us a focus um, and gives the opposition something to think about as well. So, you know, outstanding. You know, he's, he can't speak highly enough for him. And if you'd asked me this time last year, I'd have been on here and I'd have said, well, oh, he deserves every credit he gets. And he's adding goals as well. So it's all good for me. Excellent, yeah, and he's he's obviously got two on this night. So Johnny's just having a couple of technical issues there. I think shall we try and kick him off the uh, podcast? Yeah, let's disconnect Johnny from the session. There we go. So it's just me and you now. So Johnny will be back in uh, momentarily. Um, let's just turn him to rejoin. Uh, so hello to everybody online as well. So um, let us know in the comments, you know, what you guys thought of the game against West Brom, and we'll pick up the best uh, the best comments as always towards towards the end of discussing uh, the game itself. Um, so you know, I think the thing to say, Matt, is he just to take the, the Ward point on. He he gives us that focus from the front, and our shape when he's there looks so much better. Not mm. not not that I think that our shape in the last 
since uh, probably since Christmas time hasn't looked bad at all. But he gives us a focus, and I I know people are not that keen on Sinani, and he's a bit in and out. And does he does he influence games enough? But I totally understand why Corbin plays him, because when he's there, he also adds to that shape. And I think that Ward finds, provides that focal point for the team as a whole. And he gives us an out and he gives us an option um, and, and allowing a scenario where Holmes, I know Holmes didn't start last night, to get closer to him. Probably the, one of the reasons why we've gone on the run we have. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talk about the second goal as well, which came... You know, it's, it's a really well-worked goal, isn't it? The second one. And it shows what you've been talking about there, the patterns that town have played since Christmas, really. So there've been some fantastic patterns at Johnny's back. Hello, Johnny. So town have played some fantastic patterns since Christmas. And there's no better sort of visible explanation to that as you look at that second goal. Okay, we'll, we'll cross the Johnny Hogg on Carroll Bridge when we come to that. But town win the ball through the press, which is fantastic. Pearson plays a really sharp ball into John Russell. And what John Russell does with the ball is, is fantastic. And you see Danny Ward drop off, like you mentioned, Doug. Danny Ward, you know, he drops off uh, from, you know, your nine position into sort of a more 10 area. And he links it brilliantly with John Russell. And it's that sort of uh, movement, you know, and the shape that they create there where, where Russell plays it in and Ward plays the reverse one-time first touch pass. And Russell knows straight away. And then there's a huge space to the other side for O'Brien. It's a really brilliantly worked piece of football is that. And Lewis O'Brien's shot, and Sam Johnston's not going to go and be happy with himself, is he? You know, sort of at the end of last night, you know, he he drops it, and Danny Ward does what all good strikers do, as they say, and he's Danny on the spot there, isn't he? And it's two nil, and Johnny, that was complete just rewards for what Huddersfield Town deserved because at to that point they'd taken control of the game, and 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 for my money, they were outstanding at that point. They were, um, and I think. There was a little moment of 10, 15 minutes. I don't know if you touched on this, boss. That was um, my sentence like the referee did last night. But um, there's a little 10 minute, 15 minute, 10 minute window after the first goal where they probably could have capitalised, didn't quite. The second goal, mm. um, they, they, they're worth it. Like you say, the move, that's not something that, that just that's just happened. That's that You can tell that, that kind of move in, in standing wide back and then the, the run off the back of it and then to come back round is something that's been worked on um, on the training ground. A bit tongue in cheek, I say it's good that Danny Ward's followed up. I said one thing that Lewis O'Brien probably needs to work on in, in his game, which is excellent, is his shooting. So Danny Ward probably thought he's probably worth following this up. He's probably going to go right to keep it. It did. Sam Johnson, like I say, he, he won't be happy with that. Um, not not Lee Nicholas standard at all. But um, he, like he, he's got two, he's got two very good goals there. Um, someone might look at them and say, "Oh, they're easy." I mean, he's not doing it, but they're, they're, they're down to hard work, they're down to being in the right place, they're down to knowing and, and, and sniffing out the danger there. And the goals, which I think as a, as a coach, even though they're not beautiful top top corner goals, they're probably what you'd like to see more. Because they're down to hard work, they're down to effort, they're down to uh, initiative. This squad's got um, in, in barrels at the moment. 100%, mate, 100%. Do, do, you, do you two not both think... I was going to say, do you not think one of the, the biggest differences as we've got into 2022 has been the patience of the team? And they they don't try and push a game. They believe in what they're doing. And that leads to the hard work and the shape. And it almost, it, it, they it's like a game of chess. They plot their way around the field and they're happy to keep the ball. And if they lose the ball, they know exactly where they've got to be. 
and then they wait for the opportunity. And that I think that first goal, I know it was a mistake and it was it was quite amusing and all that. But that was an example of waiting for the chance to actually to come to them. And I, I know it was half chance, it was a bit of a bit of a fluke goal in many respects. But if you're not doing or doing those things and you're not believing in those things and having that structure, those things don't happen for you. And the, I think the second clever. goal was just good was football. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. It was clever, and I mean, Hef touched on it on, on Sky. Um, and if anyone has not not seen it, he, he kind of explains that O'Brien's pressing down the left, Sonani's ready to go on the right, Ward's driving at the keeper. It's bad from Sam Johnson because he, he should just get rid. Keepers nowadays don't want to do that, and he's kind of looked right. He's looked left. He's panicked. He's then tried to find the man in the middle. Whilst he's trying to find that that that, that option, Ward's closing down, and, and and we've got the we've got the reward from it. But it's not just oh the keepers out of air. It's hard work on Town's offense, which has caused an issue for the West Brom defense and Sam Johnston. Yet just get rid. But it, it's it's more than that. There's extra layers to it, and that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? It's that hard work and that pressing and the structure which comes from training, it comes from repetition, it's come from everyone knowing their roles and everyone executing those roles that create a chance like that. So it's more than just um, a howler from the keeper, even though it is a howler from the keeper. I'd take that on a bit more as well. Sorry, Dag. I'd say I'd take take your point on a bit more as well. Um, Sorry, we're getting cross lines. (laughs) And I think one, one thing that we can sort of point out as well is if you cast your minds back before Christmas, uh, Huddersfield Town struggled to keep the ball full stop, didn't they? It was it was pretty much back to front very quickly or we would lose the ball. And I think what's really uh, something that you mentioned there was Huddersfield Town kept the ball patiently really well last night and they really worked and frustrated West Brom. And they, they had West Brom on strings, as they say, didn't they, at one point. And you're looking at uh, John Russell in midfield, Jonathan Hogg, you know, that double pivot, that platform there really gave us a good template, you know, to move around. Everybody else sort of moved around that, you know, Ollie Turton's come in and, Okay, Turton, Pearson, Lees aren't exactly cultured players on the ball, but they know when to play it, where to play it, and then if it's not on, they just go go along. And Huddersfield are really well structured at the minute. And the addition of Russell and Carol Iting, even though Carol Iting can't quite get in for Russell at the moment, it, it's it's just given us another edge whereby we no longer have to sit deep. And you cast your mind back again, like I say. And there were games where we were losing the ball cheaply and then we would have to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And you remember Forest away where we absolutely skanked to 1-0, didn't we? But we were pretty much all stood on the goal line, weren't we? Because we just kept losing the ball. But, you know, last night and the week and in the games preceding that, Huddersfield are keeping the ball much better now and they're frustrating and they're pulling pulling people out of position by just keeping and moving and rotating. And, yeah, it's a really good point that, that Huddersfield Town on the ball have improved massively since, uh, I would say, since Boxing Day, really. But go on, Doug. Well, I was just to make the point that from what John was saying, you say that Johnson should have should have put it up the pitch, but if you look at the halfway line, you've got Lee's Pearson, Turton all covering um, the West Brom players up the pitch. I don't know who was marking who, so but he didn't have much of an option. And I think one of the reasons that he didn't clear it straight away he was looking for an option. And there wasn't one there, and Ward realised that he, he had a potential chance to charge him down. Did what all good, you know, what what he's been doing, and and got the goal for his um for his troubles. But going back to what you say there, Matt, I think it's quite ironic, and, and you know, I like to be honest. I actually rang Radio Leeds, which I don't often do. I'm not I'm not like Cozy, who's on there all the time. <laughs> he loves it, absolutely loves it, yeah. On. 
I think they, I think they love him being on. Don't I think they, yeah, I think they, they bring him. We all love anyway. him. We all love Cozzy. We all by love the Cozzy. by, but I, absolutely. But I, I I rang on the way back from Barnsley because I was so frustrated because I thought on the day Barnsley were just so poor. And in that game, and I said to Matt Glennon, they've got to be a bit braver. They've got to get the pitch. They were getting themselves in trouble. Although they weren't in trouble, but they weren't giving themselves a chance to go and win the game because they were so deep and so slow. And the addition of Russell, has been, for me, has been that magic ingredient that gives us that extra bit of control in midfield. It allows Hogg to do what he used to do with Moy, which is essentially win the ball, give it simple. And the other thing that Russell does is he moves the ball quickly. He keeps it and he moves it quickly, and he moves it forward. And I just feel like we're playing 15 yards further up the pitch because we have that confidence. And like I said before, that patience to actually keep the ball and actually wait for the opportunity and keep moving teams around side to side, front to back. And I think I also sense, and the Peterborough game is a good example, that the fans are recognising what's happening. So you're not getting, go it forward and all, you know, all that typical rhetoric people are seeing what they're trying to do and they can see that they're in control of games and as long as you know the longer that continues the more chance we've got 100 percent. and you know it's that i i'm i'm someone who craves control you know in terms of get i i you know the way david wagner's teams played i know we shouldn't compare the two but we always look to control the game didn't we and take control of the game so when when we sit deep and play on the counter i i I get really nervous and twitchy you know, of, of that. I should have more faith you know, because we've got an out, outstanding clean sheet record. But I do get quite twitchy and I do crave Huddersfield Town taking control of the football. Like they say, the best form of defence is like Barcelona used to. They used to tie teams out just by passing it around them. But, you know, it's, I think the, um, the improvements definitely since Christmas and like you say, Russell and Iting. And, I, you know, Iting's moved Russell on as well. And John Russell was supposed to be a number 10 as well. Let's not forget that Town brought him in because they thought he'd be a 10 or wide player. And he's, and he's played six, eight, ten. You know, he's, he's done really well. And I think that adaptability, and you look at Lewis O'Brien, he's the same. You know, the adaptability of all of them to rotate and move around has really helped, you know, a very, very different kind of side. Rather than you structured 4-2-3-1, which we had before, we, you've now got a team that quite happily flicks from 4-3-3, 4 seamlessly at times. And it's really, and I, I love little nerdy stuff like that and watching it appear on the pitch because I sit quite high up and I can sit, you know, like see them moving around and I, you know, rather get way too excited for, you know, a man of my age from over tactics and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I think we've talked about a lot of good stuff there, but I think we need to address the man in green, don't we? The little green man. Was he in green or was he yellow? I can't remember. I wish I can't remember. Mr. Donahue uh, had a bit of a stinker, really. Um, there's three, I've, I've flagged three, four decisions uh i flagged one because he got it right so i feel i feel like i have to kind of you know um match match it up a little bit but there's there's a couple of things here so the first one was taylor gardner hickman went in on sinani studs high very very high that you know with var that's in the premier league that's probably a red card i don't like to see them being given as red cards to be honest but you know there's that one there where he could potentially have uh, moved west brom down to 10 men there's a possible foul in Huddersfield's uh, second goal, Hogg, on Carroll. Um, do you know what? I watch it, and Carroll is pulling Jonathan Hogg, you know, when Hogg goes between the legs, and, and some would say, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But it probably is a foul by Hoggy, to be fair. You know, his studs go into the car for Carroll. Uh, and then the penalty decision, which is just, 
an incredibly bad decision. Um, the position, his positioning didn't help. You know, I, I do feel for him slightly that he's behind Mauer, so he can't fully see the front face contact. But he's guessed. He's not checked with his linesman. He's guessed. Uh, Sauber Thomas. I cannot fathom why anyone would think that was a penalty. Anybody. Sauber Thomas. It's not dangerous because it's not even waist high. Alex Mauer's five foot seven and ducking and launching himself into it head first. Alex Mauer is not tall enough for it to be dangerous play. You know, he's about four foot off the ground at that. Well, probably a bit bigger. I'm exaggerating. But, you know, he's he's dived in. There's no contact. He's looked for it. He's cheated. Well, all footballers cheat, don't they? But, you know, he's he's looked for it. It's it's a very disappointing decision because the whole, there's so much has hit, sort of hinged. That's a, a fulcrum of a decision, that, because... It's allowed West Brom to get back into a game that they didn't deserve to get back into. Fair play to them in a way that they did. You know, they came back at us really well after that and we we did lose our heads. Um, but it's also really changed the landscape of the, the results for the weekend because Huddersfield obviously playing on Friday night. Huddersfield winning that game puts extra pressure on Bournemouth. You know, it almost lets Bournemouth off the hook a little bit, you know, with this, this decision. I'm not trying to blame... Matt Donahue for the entire weekend's results, <laughs> even though it sounds like I'm saying that every result this weekend that didn't go our way is his fault, but it just, it just changes the landscape. And that's, what's frustrating really. I'm not going to, I don't blame him hundred percent for giving it because from his angle, it could have potentially been a penalty. And he, and I think what's in his head maybe is that Callum Robinson went down under a challenge from Matty Pearson about 10 minutes before that he didn't give. And, Pearson puts his hands on him, but there's no push. So it's not a penalty. He's got that decision right. But I think that potentially is in his head and thought, do you know what? I've already turned down one. Maybe I've got to give this one. And I'm very disappointed in in the referee. He's not on my, I've got a referee shit list, by the way, and he's never been on it before. But, you know, he might he might be on it with a couple, a couple more of those. But what is, is, he on it? is he on it now? Not yet, not yet, but potentially. His name's been marked uh, along with Jeremy Simpson, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see. And Gavin Ward, but... Uh, tell me what you guys thought of those decisions because I I was fuming, absolutely effing fuming. I'm not going to swear this week. If it was last night, I'd have been swearing all over the place. But I, I was raging and I was ready to I mean, turn tables and couches over in the living room and you know, my little boy was scared because his dad had turned into the Incredible Hulk. But I was absolutely raging at that. Well, stop me from talking, Johnny. Yeah, to go, to go back to the... Or to go back to the first one... Um, Gardner Hickman, it's one of them where Sonar is lucky that his leg's not planted. It's kind of becoming a cliche saying that, but if his leg's planted there, I fear for his leg bones, in all honesty. It's a really nasty injury. And from that, you can say, is it is it dangerous play? Probably, yeah. I think it's, I think just and it probably dictates the referee's decision. It shouldn't do. Um, for me, if the Reds, if the Reds given, I think he's not got much of a case to argue. Um, in, in reality, the the Hogg and Carroll, um, I must have when they showed it on the replay, it, it there is a little bit of a pull. I'd, I'd say it's a foul. I think if you flip it round, if it's the other way around, I think I'd be fuming that the refs not pulled that back and yeah. going for a goal. Yeah. So I think yeah, that is a foul. But I mean, it, none of that, none of that's anything compared to the the, the penalty. I mean. When I first watched it, 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 I didn't instinctively think penalty. I didn't think I didn't kind of wince. I got ooh, and, and start to get nervous. Look, look at the ref. Um, I was going to think of that. He, he, we're going to break from that. What, or the ball goes back into the box. Who's going to clear it? And the ref blows. And 
into something, what's what's I kind of think what's he blown for? So when he sees something first time, it's and it's faster. You tend to get a feel whether he's going to give it as penalty or not. And when they show the replay, you kind of hear you kind of hear the pundit go, "Oh, almost like he almost comes out of his character. He almost makes it. Oh, I'm not like sure about that." Um, but again, slowed down. We know it's not a penalty. He gets the ball. He retracts his, his leg. There's no way near Mauer. Like you said, the height of Mauer. I think somewhere on Twitter, someone's drawn a line and waist to boot. It's below that. All the things point to the fact it's not a foul. From the ref's angle, we don't know. We don't know what. You don't know why he's seen it. He's seen it as a high foot, dangerous. Do you think there's been contact there? Does he not think Sauber's got the ball? And this goes back to something which I put on a, um, a comment um, a few weeks ago in a pod is. I don't expect the referees to come out and do an interview after a game because I don't think that's right. I don't, that's not what their job is. I don't expect them to do any form of video interview. But I think there should be a report, which there is. There already is a report on a game published on, 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 on their government body websites. You, it's, not, it's not on the Daily Mail. It's not on Sky. Someone should go and find it and read it. And just to, to know, not to argue, not for them to have to, to evidence why, like, explain themselves just to know what the decision was made for why was it made was it made because he thinks there was contact on the head was it made because he thought it was a high boot and it's dangerous play um, or was he made, didn't, did he not realise Sauber had made contact with the ball just so we just so we know there's nothing to come from that but just so we know and equally from the West Brom the Carroll um, foul did he not see that did he think it was like Matt said a bit of 50-50 half one do you know what I mean a bit of the other I think it'd be re- I think there's, I think it's time for in this day and age with all kind of the media that goes around football, just to understand why the refs made decisions and what decision they have made, because it's just blind. We don't know. We're sat here talking about, did he think this? Did he think that? We're absolutely no idea. And we never will know because there's no, there's no, there's nothing we can, there's nothing we can find out for what the refs think or why they make decisions. I think it would be useful to have that, not to hit them with, not to stick to hit them with, but just to know why these decisions get made or what they see. They're human. They're going to make mistakes. But, but I'd like to know what his opinion was, just so we know why. Um, that's my opinion. Um, I think it's about. I think it's time that, that some some form of forum in the right way um, that we get to get we get to get these answers to these questions. It's not going to change the answer. It's not going to change the game. It's not going to give us um, revert the penalty decision. But at least we'd know. We kind of do that in rugby league a little bit, you know, with the. With the um, penalties, you know, they say why, why people have been cited, don't they, and the uh, the board and stuff. It's not not quite as transparent as what you're describing, but you kind of get a good idea. But yeah, I think that sounds like a, a good idea. Dag, you you thought, you know, in WhatsApp, you thought Alex Mowat was uh, applying for a career at WWE, didn't you, with uh, some of the play acting that well, was going on? Look, try and find a bit of balance for the referee. I think if you look at his position, because they were saying on the television afterwards, because um, I watched the game after the event because I was out last night, so I, I sat up and watched it. And I wasn't too sure what I was feeling. Even, you know, I thought, oh, surely we haven't lost 3-2. Anyway, that's by the by. But the, what I thought was, he's, they said he, he, he had a good view of it. I'm not so sure he did have a good view of it because Mowat's gone across these line of vision. So it's, it's almost, he's seen Sober Thomas's leg go up. But he doesn't know what's happened because Mowat's gone across him. What I thought Mowat may have done, and you don't pick this up on the television very often, very rarely, and certainly off the ground, he may have cried out, you know, and screamed out. And he thought, oh, he's caught him in the head. And given a decision based on what he's heard as much as what he's seen. Um, if you look at it real time, 
you think, oh, is that a high foot? And then when you see it slow down, it neither A got the ball, and by the time that Moet's actually going past the line of Sorba Thomas's foot, it's well below waist height. His foot's going down. So, quite honestly, it was. Can can you give him a let? Because in the time that this happens in the game, possibly. Did I think he had a brilliant game? I've seen worse than him, if I'm being entirely honest. Mm, yeah. uh, I thought that the early, the earlier challenge had shades of Karoma at Stoke, perhaps, um, and perhaps Karoma's was slightly worse. But you've really? seen them given in the Premier League; it had been in trouble. Um, I think the the issue with the Cowell thing, as I thought he had a pull on Hog first, but the referee needs to blow for that first before the next incident happening. The next second or two, Hogg has definitely put his um, foot down his calf, hasn't he? And yeah. If he sees that as a foul, isn't it, at the end of the day? You can't can't argue. But I thought in the first instance, he was having a pull at Hoggy. The, the best we, we should have got out of that was a free kick on the pull on Hoggy. It was, it's one of those you sometimes get, you don't get. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he was terrible as a referee. But if we get to May and we've missed out on something by two points, you can go and get your voodoo doll mat and uh, you know, do it's it. A, it's a list, yeah. Like Chris Jericho. For anyone that watches wrestling, it's like Chris Jericho, isn't it? I don't know if anybody's as sad as me, but there we go. Um, not that I do watch wrestling. I'm not Stephen Chicken. No, I, no, I, um, do, I, I don't. <laughs> it's you got me off. You've, you mentioned WWE, <laughs> didn't you? You set me off. It was just the dramatic dive and, you know, yeah. the, 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 like he's been poleaxed. I thought, hang on, he hasn't been touched. I think going back and, to you know actually you'd have thought uh, yeah just just going back to what you were saying about the referee's position I agree that his position's not great uh, and that he's he's having to invent the scenario almost in his head isn't he of what what's actually happened you know he's he's like trying to sort of work it out and I think what's frustrating for me is he gave that really quickly the decision really quickly and he didn't give himself a couple of seconds just to sort of think about it so he kind of made his bed very early didn't he and it must have been positive that there was something going on there. And I think that's the only thing really where I've kind of gone, well, he could have waited and sort of thought about that for a moment. And maybe, maybe he would, have, you know, change his I, mind. I agree. I agree. That's why I wonder whether Mowat screamed out, shouted out, mm. or because, you know, he went down as if he'd been hit and he's you know, had his eye poked out or whatever, you know. And I wonder whether he's, he's heard that. He's always caught him with his foot. And then... He hasn't even given it any thinking time, like you say. Um, Going going to Johnny's point about referees in general, isn't it true that the managers and the club get a report so that they they know what the referee is thinking? And uh, and to me, it's it's all a bit academic after the event anyway, isn't it? I mean, really, what they should be doing is should be grading these referees more accurately. And actually, if they're having stinking games downgrading them or um, taking them off the panel completely. But that never seems to happen. You know, <laughs> we get the shit Premier you know, League but, ones, don't we? <laughs> so it's all, it, yeah, well, but you know, it, it never seems to happen, doesn't it? That, what I would say is, bar, bar a couple of ex- exceptions this year, I don't think the referee has been that bad. But perhaps I'm, um, perhaps I've been a bit overly optimistic. I, do you know what? I, there's a theory I've got on some of the referee and stuff, and there's a lot of people sort of saying, oh, Huddersfield have had the rub of the green with referees a lot this year. And yeah, a pretty laughable offside decision, which which went our way there. Um, moving slightly, sort of, I can see the stream sort of going a bit funny. 
But just guys, moving on, you know, you look at this season in general with some of the refereeing decisions and I think Huddersfield, Huddersfield, I don't know who Huddersfield, Huddersfield have had sort of more worse decisions against them than people realise. And I think over the last sort of 10 years, I think we've be- become accustomed really to being shithoused by referees. Um, I know there's an element of you make your own look, don't you? And maybe we don't attack enough, you know, we're not good enough to get a lot of decisions. But I look at a lot of stuff this season, you know, the two decisions against Fulham where Ryan Schofield's pretty much in the north stand where he's clearing that, you know, ball out and it hits Mitrovic and goes in, you know, how the linesman didn't give that. It gave Danny Ward offside in the same game when he never was. The Campbell one, which is, you know, maybe his right decision against Everton. You've got Levi Colwell getting pushed in the back when Peterborough equalised. There's a lot of decisions that haven't gone our way as well. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that haven't gone and, Huddersfield, I think, are a real sort of magnet for ropey refereeing decisions this season. And I think it is probably 50-50. You know, we've got some, you know, the Stoke game was ridiculous. You know, the penalty decision in Karoma. I don't think the Karoma challenge is as bad as what the Stoke fans are trying to make out, but it probably is a red card. But, you know, I think Huddersfield just seem a magnet for really crap refereeing this this season. And in terms of big decisions, but I think during the game, like you mentioned, Dag, you know, it's sort of, you know, the general running of the game has pretty good this year. It's just those sort of, big decisions when something happens that they seem to be a little bit random don't they but I think we've got we've had enough of Matt Donahue. I don't I don't really want to blame the entire weekend on on him you know it's it's a decision I think what is very apparent and Michael Heffley was in on in the Sky studio and he was outstanding I thought you know he was so pissed off after the game he, he, he could barely speak and you know I genuinely thought he was going to rip his shirt off and start throwing tables around you know and Michelle, Michelle Owen asked him about the penalty and stuff he was accused Alex Mowat of play acting and stuff. I want to see more of that though. Do you know, on Sky, it's really boring having the same pundits, you know, who don't know the clubs, you know, sort of. Joby McEnough's not bad and, Lee, and uh, Liam Rosini was really good before. But, you know, having people on like Hef, I like having uh, club figures on, you know, rather than just sort of general bland ones. But, um, you know, he he was he was it absolutely... Helped. he was. I, I needed help. I needed Hef. Yeah. And he, he was fuming. It, it helped. I, need, I needed him then. I needed him to talk to me and like, tell me that it's going to be okay. And you understood. And he did. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what was, do you know, what? He, he, he made a really good point through the anger in his voice. You know, his, his mustache was shaking, you know, with anger. But, you know, through, through that, he actually made a really good point in that it's still only 2-1 and Huddersfield Town as a team lost their heads for five minutes and it's cost us the game. The referee hasn't cost us the game. Let's be honest. Because two one, you can see that out. We've lost our heads. We've dropped deep. We've Jonathan Hogg had a great game. I thought. I thought Hoggy was really good uh, throughout the game. But he's made a pass there that his experience should not be making. I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, he's given the ball away. You know, it's not all Jonathan Hogg's fault. You know, the ball goes down the right hand side. Nobody blocks the cross. You know, the, and then. Andy Carroll gets a run and it doesn't even aim the header. It just hits him. I don't know if he knows the contours of his head perfectly, but it just kind of hits him and glances perfectly into the corner. And I looked at that and I thought, you lucky bastard. You know, because <laughs> it just sort of glanced off I'm him, so, didn't it? I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you mentioned that because <laughs> that's the first thing I said. I said, that has hit his face. Yeah. Listen, oh, England, you, know, you can tell the quality of an ex-England player. It's like, it's his face. Yeah. It's, it's that. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It, it it looked brilliant, but it hit his face. He's not. He's not. Done anything he didn't guide it or anything. Yeah, he didn't so guide it. No. It just. It just sort of like glance. It's like I said. He even knows every sort of shape and angle on his head wonderfully well <laughs> uh, to know that that's going to go in the corner or it's just hitting. But you know, it it just town just town were brilliant for eighty minutes in that game. I thought first fifteen minutes actually West Brom went at us and we we repelled them. And but I thought town didn't get what they deserved. I was really I was gutted really because we deserve to win the game 2-0. 
and it was a really good away performance. You know, we controlled the game. You know, like I say, I'm all about control. And we controlled the game. And then just to lose it with five minutes of badness, which is partly our undoing as well, just left a bit of a, a bad taste. And Carl and Grant almost won it as well. I don't, I don't know if he was offside or wasn't offside. I don't know what the rule is with offside anymore. In Premier League with VAR, it's not offside because of the daylight thing. But I don't know if that applies to the championship. I've got no idea. Um, but he hit the bar, so it doesn't matter. And then Tino came on. He looked a little bit sharper, did Tino, to be fair. Um, you know, he's looked very unmatched. You know, he's not he's not match fit, let's be honest. But he he came on, looked quite sharp. And, you know, he and Andy Carroll again, that forehead of Andy Carroll, almost swore, that forehead of Andy Carroll just knocking it off the line as Tino sort of hit it into the ground, didn't he? Sort of whacked it into the ground. It was a good effort. And disappointing, disappointing 2-2 draw. And I think, to be honest, Johnny... We have to blame ourselves as much as the the referee, don't we? Really? Yeah, I think just going back to something we touched on before, there's a couple of points. So, yeah, after the first goal, I mean, West Brom were like like a heavyweight boxing match. You're taking a big hit. The legs were wobbling, and we didn't quite. There was a couple of opportunities where I don't we didn't quite get the ball down with Sober, or the pass wasn't quite right, and there was a window opportunity there where we could have capitalised. So I said that's potential. I mean, if we could be really critical, that's a potential error of t- where we didn't quite capitalise there. And then, yeah, the first goal goes in. It, everyone's annoyed. You, you, like Hefton, said, you, you've got to think we're still 2-1 up away with next to six, six, eight minutes left to go. Keep cool, keep calm, do what we've done the entire game, do what we've done, like you say, since December. Structure, patience, find the passes, get the patterns. Um, and we didn't do that. And yeah, like you say, it's not Hoggy's fault. The pass is shocking. He then kind of stops and almost looks at himself and has a bit of a go at himself and then realises, right, switch on. It's gone. We don't know. We don't know We don't know whether it's gone or not. But having something happen like that might might just help. It might it's not it's not happened yet. We almost lost we almost lost him beaten run. We haven't. We kept it at two two it by the do you know I mean thickness of a crossbar it could have been could have been three two. Carlos will use that. The players might use that. Uh, and like, I just go back to kind of thinking back to Peterborough and Old Trafford. That was a very quick one two three. Something happening like this in the season, so close to potential playoffs, it, it might help. It might just help them experience that, keep their heads, learn from it. There's a lot of experienced players in there. Um, there's a lot of young players as well. Um, and having that happen to them and, and, and feeling that feeling that hurt, which you look at Saul Thomas on the bench when the whistle goes, just head between his legs. They might take something from it. It might it might be something that makes a bit of difference towards the end of the season and in the playoffs. So I think that's one thing we can try and take out of it. We kept it at two two just we almost made it three two as well. It's championship in and out there, isn't it? But yeah, it, we, we might take a bit heart from it. We might take a bit of a lesson from it. I'm sure Carlos will try and use it in that way. Um, and we, we did we did keep them beat and run. That's a very thin silver lining. Great point. Great point. Doug, you know. no, just what John said there, I think that's that's right. The, the, the old adage in football, it's a massive cliche, but it's true. Goals change games. And that penalty changed the game. And Hef's right. Our mentality should have been to try and close that game down. And instead, our, our, our instinct, and it's been a problem a couple of times this season, hasn't it, is to sit a bit deeper. Um, I think the thing that disappointed me more, anybody can make a bad pass. Hoggy made a bad pass. He knew he'd made a bad pass. But I think Pearson had two at the back post 
and he didn't know which one to go to. And it was a good ball. And like you were right, I mean, it just hit Andy. Mind you, Andy Carroll, thirty million pound football, so you know you have to you have to give him credit. Um, but it was one was I thought it was just a catalogue of errors. And then Carlin Grant nearly scores at the end, whether it was offside. I, I didn't even contemplate that, to be honest. And then, um, but the, the the good thing for me, there were two good things. We then went up, and Tino nearly scored. And I agree, he, he looked sharper, and he certainly isn't match fit yet. But that was a bit of quality to to shot from that angle in that circumstance, and put the ball in that in that space. I thought that, that I thought oh, actually this lad has got you know. I don't, didn't think he didn't have something before. We hadn't seen it yet, but that was that was the sign of what he's got. But the thing that really I took great heart from was listening to Danny Ward's post-match interview, and it was very much a case of we're very annoyed, but we're moving on to the next game. And Carlos said, is about what all good sports psychologists will tell you: live in the moment. You can't. You, you draw on. I think they draw on what they've done in the past, but that's now gone. We now focus on the next challenge. And in the context of where we are in the season, I don't think that they're thinking a second or the playoffs. They're thinking about the next game. And the longer they can keep doing that and they don't have that pressure on them to try and, oh, we, we're playing Bournemouth next Saturday. It's a big opportunity. And it is, but it's a game that, that's at home that they're going to try and win. And I think that the mentality across the football club in the football inside is very much like that. And I think that's really good. And if they can keep that going for the remaining nine games and whatever comes after that, I think that gives us a great chance because I don't think a lot of teams have got the same mentality as us. There may be teams with better players, although that's that's debatable. We could, we could discuss that all night. But I'm not sure that teams have got our mentality. And I think this is the bigger... There's two changes I think I can see from last season. One is our shape and our ability to defend, which is all credit to Carlos, because it's only a year ago when we had those shambolic performances against Blackburn and Norwich, and he's turned it round magnificently, and the players have bought into everything, but it's the mentality. And, you know, I worried after Forrest, even though we'd changed the team greatly, how would that impact our mentality? And there was no sign of that for me yesterday. And we had a mad five minutes where we didn't concentrate, and we ended up losing two points. But that wasn't the end of the world. And you could tell from what Danny Watts said, he didn't think it was the end of the world either. So, you know, that's I think that's the real positive that comes out of it. Yeah. There's a there's a point I think I'd like to draw on as well. We, we sort of probably scrutinised Carlos's substitutions and, you know, in-game management probably more on here than everywhere else does. You know what I mean? And I, I, I do look at the changes he made with Daniel Sinani. I remember thinking Daniel Sinani needs to come off at this point. His, his performance has dipped a bit. I thought he was okay on the day, um, but his performance had dipped. And, and for me, Dwayne Holmes was the... Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. 
If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Natural substitute for him. Uh, I think Dwayne, I know Dwayne does sometimes give the ball away, but I think when it when it really counts, when we need to play keep ball rather than going forward and looking for angles, I think Dwayne actually keeps the ball quite well in that situation. He's quite becoming experienced. And for me, that was the the substitute to make. I'm not making out I'm better than Carlos Corbin at all because that would be complete nonsense. But he brought on Levi Colwell and, and went sort of to a back three. And, and for me, that... <sighs> Not that it was a terrible decision. The penalty for me completely changed the game, not not the substitutions. But I just thought when they brought Levi Colwell on, that invited Huddersfield to drop those 15 yards we mentioned earlier, Doug. And I thought we did drop off those 10, 15. And when you've got Andy Carroll on the pitch, uh, you look at the penalty decision. The first ball there was a diagonal to Andy Carroll who headed it down. The second goal, Andy Carroll, seven yards out. Dropping that 10 yards really sort of helped West Brom to come back into the game and and allowed Andy Carroll to be more useful around the box. And that's where you don't want Andy Carroll. You want Andy Carroll where Jonathan Hogg's taking the ball off him, you know, 10 yards higher. And I just thought, I don't think, if the penalty if the penalty does, doesn't go against us, I still think we win that game 2-0. So it's not a major point. I just thought that maybe didn't help with the terms of, you know, in terms of the way that the game was balanced, I think. But it's not a major complaint at Carlos, but I just thought maybe that wasn't the, the perfect solution, Dag, on, that, on this occasion. No, I, th- I think you're right. And I think, but now you make the point, you 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 think, you know, you're bringing on Levi Colwell, you know what he offers, you know the quality he's got. But in the context of the game at that point, what were West Brom doing that needed Levi Colwell on the pitch yeah. that we couldn't have swapped Sonari for an eye thing, for example, or, um, or bring Holmes on? Uh, and, you, you know, I suppose, it, uh, to be fair to Carlos, I've seen him make a couple of situations, which was the game... Was it the Cardiff game when he put Louis O'Brien back to left, left, back. left side of defence? Yeah, and everyone's going, what the hell are you doing? And then, and then he, he, he realised it wasn't yeah. working and changed it again. Oh, there was... Oh, and he changed which... it. I wonder if he had his time over. Yeah. Whether he'd do something different. Yeah, there was he, a, he just seemed yeah. to learn from it. But I agree with what you say. In, in the context of that game last night, I'm not sure what Colwell was needed for at that precise moment. Mm. Um, and I, th- I agree with you. Having a three did did invite them ten yards up the pitch further, and that's never a good thing if they're somebody's chasing the game. Mm. So it's I, I agree. Also, you don't, if they don't get the penalty, they don't get the goal. We win two 0 Happy days. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, we've now you know we've got to take the positives from another um, draw. We've not been beaten in the league since. Um, Middlesbrough beat us. That's right, isn't it? Yep. So let's 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 go to Millwall with a bit of confidence. That's that's the way I'd look at it. Hundred uh, percent. Johnny's just nodded, so I don't think he's got much to say. Maybe on that one, <laughs> he's happy with that. Um, yeah. So there's just a couple of things that that essentially is the game. Um, town excellent, really, for a lot of a lot of it. You know, there's, you know, even through the disappointment of not winning that game, there are things to be heartened by and. And I was whinging about it this morning. I woke up feeling really pissed off this morning. It's awful, anyway. Like, you wake up and you're like, why do I feel pissed off? Oh, yeah. And then you just remind yourself. And I, I was chatting, I'm in a WhatsApp thing with uh, Dave uh, Hartrick and, and, and Stephen Chicken, and they were chatting away, and I was just like, I'm still pissed off. And then Dave sent me his five conclusions. And his five conclusions were actually really, really good. And um, 
there were a lot of uh, stuff in there which you know does does warm the heart a little bit. So sometimes it's good to get. Um, Dave reckons he's a neutral, but he's lived up here for years. He loves Huddersfield Town just as much as Brighton, in my opinion. But you know, it's good to read that. So um, there's a couple of things as well which warm my heart. I guess uh, trying to make a link there was uh, Danny Ward and Sauber Thomas. I thought they were really outstanding in this game. Danny Ward, I can't really stress we, we mentioned him earlier didn't we and I've got him at the end again here just just the impact he makes and I think Huddersfield Town need another Danny Ward in the summer to rotate with him maybe a bit more but you know Danny Ward has exceeded everybody's expectations by a country mile and I've seen people people making you know the best of teams comparing 2016-17 to this one and literally everybody has Danny Ward up front over Naki Wells and I think that is a real sort of uh, feather in the cap for Danny Ward as well that everybody is now even Dale Marsden on Twitter is you know acknowledging that you know Danny Ward has been outstanding and Dale Dale can take that he's my mate and you know it, him and Sauber Sauber switched you know from being right wing back and one thing I didn't a tactical thing I didn't really like Carlos that what he was doing early in the season was he was you know out of possession we were a five and it was Sauber wrapping round to that right back slot even when you've got Ollie Turton there which was a little bit unnecessary in some ways because Sauber's so great in the transition in the middle third, you know, for, coming from defence to attack and he links it so well and he's so dangerous and he must have nutmegged about four different players during the game and, you know, how much he cares when, you know, I know he was gutted, wasn't he, against Nottingham Forest because, you know, he didn't get to play against Liverpool and he was really upset coming off the pitch but he was upset again that we'd thrown it away but he's, he's someone I love watching is Sauber. So is Danny Ward. If, if we could get the stats on the amount of... um pitch that Danny Ward covers you know through chasing and Harry and it's honestly it's outstanding and Jordan Rhodes gives a good contrast you know when you need to bring him on to partner him or bring him on for certain things but you know I I do think that at some point Danny Ward may need someone else in a similar mold or we will need someone in a similar mold to Danny Ward just to help with the workload but those two in particular and Lewis O'Brien as well is it's just like I keep saying, Lewis O'Brien scores seven out of ten every week, and everyone just takes it as a six. You know, it's he's he's just phenomenal, and he's rapidly becoming one of the best midfielders in the championship. There's West Ham circling as well, and all of a sudden the rumours are about a fifteen million release clause, and you're thinking, bloody hell, maybe that's not enough now because you know his stock is constantly going up, and for me, he's heading towards. Johnny, we were talking about Brady's hot takes on the warm up, weren't we? About somebody who said Aaron Moy's passing and shooting was. Uh, or Lee, Lewis O'Brien's passing and shooting was better than Aaron Moy. And, uh, you know, I, something I said there was probably wasn't repeatable because, you know, I'm a, a massive Aaron Moy fan. But in terms of value, Lewis O'Brien is is just a phenomenal footballer, isn't he? And, and it, like like Brady, I think, made the point that he fits in so many key positions as well, whereas your Moy was your number eight in that team and everything sort of revolved around him, whereas Lewis O'Brien revolves around the team. You know, very different players. And, you know... I, I can't speak highly enough of those three at the minute. You know, Danny Ward's work rate, Sauber Thomas's trickery, you know, he's, I hate saying passion because I feel like someone who rings TalkSpot up and just cries about passion when England are playing. But, you know, what he brings, you know, his vigour, we'll go vigour instead of passion. You know, what he brings to that, you know, to the pitch, it's just so absorbing to watch it. Absorber Thomas, there you go. So it's so absorbing to watch, you know, these these players and I'm really enjoying it. And even though I'm enjoying even though I absolutely me and you, Johnny, were crestfallen, weren't we, with with the result last night? But I love watching these guys. Love these three players um, more than just these three players. You know, the Ward's work rate, Sauber's trickery, Lewis O'Brien's energy. It's just, 
I don't want these guys to. I don't want these guys to leave or break up. It, you know, like it's like take that all over again, That's isn't it? Worry, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, That's the worry. I mean, I, I think I lost count of the amount of times Sky Sport. I think it was almost like Lewis O'Brien linked to West Ham was his name on the back of his shirt last night. The amount of times they they alluded to it or mentioned it. But yeah, to kind of to kind of go into those three, I think one of the, the key things Lewis O'Brien does as well. Um, he jinxed past a, a West Brom player high-quality West Brom player with ease. Um, I think it must have happened about between eight and ten times in, in, in the game. Um, the yards he carried the ball, if you look at like American football thing, his, his, his yard stats would have been definitely the highest in, in that game. That's something that, it's, it's not just unique to this field. It, it's unique to kind of more modern-day football, really. Um, you don't you don't get the players to ball carry it and, and, and dribble it the yards that, that Lewis O'Brien can do not necessarily down to ability just to the way football is more, more played nowadays but that I think that's fantastic to see and that's something which is really unique to to his game on top of things that, that you've um, already mentioned but one thing I want to say about Danny Ward is I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stand to be corrected here but he's he's trying the same things now that he always has tried since he came back to town it just didn't work at the beginning. The ball came into him and everyone said, oh, his touch is awful. Oh, like, the amount of time he said, Danny Ward, ball fired into him and it went to, like, 20 yards the wrong direction. And that's real testament to him and, and, and his coaches around him that he's really persevered with this part of his game. I didn't watch him at Cardiff, so I don't really know. I don't really know how he played at Cardiff, but I highly doubt it's how he plays now. So it's either something that's new to him, a new, a new striker role. He always called himself a striker. But he's more than a striker in this system that Corberan plays. And he's had to really adapt and, and, and change and, and, and learn new skills in his game that now, and the game from last night proved, like shows this really well. That time the ball came into him and he, he was one touch and away out to the left or to the right, or he was two touches out to the way or back to someone and he was turning. When he tried to do that when he first came in, and, and to, to a certain extent the start of this season, but more kind of when he played towards the end of last season, he, he was nowhere near for want of a better phrase, good enough in that part of his game. And in quite a short period of time, he's become exceptional at it. And you've got to give him massive credit for that because he's not young. He's not kind of learning his trade. He's either having to adapt or, or, or persevere or not kind of get moody or stroppy and think, I'm not that type of striker. I can't play like that. That's not how I want to play and, and throw his toys at the pram. He, he, he's taken on the mantle. He's taken on the mantle. He's taken on the role. He's, he's, he's adapted. He's changed. He's learned new skills. I, I don't know. I don't know what a skill he's, he's got or had. But I think that's the main thing that I, I really want to give credit to Danny Ward is that the, how he's come on. Um, you could even put him kind of most improved player in the way he's been able to change his game and the quality that he now shows and how integral he is to the way we attack um, the outlet that, that he is. And then to come around, circle back around and be the, be the goal scorer at the end of moves. Um, it's something that I've never seen him do before. Um, certainly for town first time and then when he's come back to town for Rotherham or or Cardiff, um, and then Sauber Thomas, yeah, he's just, he's just that bit of excitement. He's he, he'll he'll try something, he'll do something. He's got the skill. It doesn't it doesn't always work more times often than it it, it, it does. But he's he's just that bit of a maverick. Um, and like you say, you don't want to kind of go on about it. But he's he he play he plays football like he's playing on the school playground, and I think that's what I love. And long may it continue, and long, long may it never be tainted by. Premier League football and the nonsense that is kind of modern day football. Keep playing how he's playing because he's just so exciting to watch and 
ultimately that's that's what we want. We want excitement. But that's the three things I would say about those those three players specifically. But yeah, they were enjoyable to watch. Football at the moment at Huddersfield Town is enjoyable to watch. Um, from from two point from purest point, the tactic point, which is the actual football itself, is it is entertaining, and that's something you probably can't say for for a number of years. Even with success, it's not always been entertaining. But I'd argue, again, biased that that it is now. Town are a good team to watch. It's probably why we keep getting our games moved by Sky Sports. Bastards. But yeah, <laughs> go on, Dag. I'll let you bookend that. Well, I, I can't really add much to that. But one thing I will say is, and um, I, I was told not long ago that in his first season, Danny Ward was really affected quite negatively about how things had gone for him in his third season back. Um, the stick he was getting and his injuries. So for him to be the player that he's been this season, and I think he's, he's, he's a good example of how the whole team has grown. Because if you think about it, let's be honest, some of the earlier performances this season, if you take the Reading home game out, some of those games weren't that great. I think into the Preston game at home, which was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It, you know, it was the greatest, yeah. I mean, the best player in the world. But you think about how it's grown, and he personifies that, and what John said about him is absolutely true. And but, well, put it, put it another way. If O'Brien and Ward played on Monday night, who wins that game? And I'm not saying it was the wrong decision to rest them. I know O'Brien had a knock against Peterborough, but it just shows how important those are. And look, I mean, you can't speak highly enough about Lewis O'Brien. I mean, he's he plays so many minutes. He's the heartbeat of the team. So, you know, he, when we're having a, a difficult spell in a game, he'll make a tackle. He'll make an interception. He'll he'll carry the ball forward ten yards, and he'll get us moving forward. He'll make a pass. You know you can't you know you can't see how we're not we're able to keep him unless we do manage to get to the Premier League, which is a long way off yet. Um, but I wouldn't begrudge him because the fact that he was prepared to stay when he could have dug his heels in back in the transfer window and said, "No, I'm going to go for the Premiership money and maybe sit on a bench somewhere." maybe sit on the bench somewhere, which would have been awful. Um, hmm. Says a lot about him and he deserves it all. And Sorber Thomas, he's just the personality of the team, isn't he? he he's not the same personality, but he is the, the Michael Heffley of this team. Totally different characters, but he's the one that we all identify with. He's the one who Pozzer and co all have the relationship with in the South Stand. And he's so natural. And he seems such a great bloke. And you, you just want it to continue for him. And you want him to have the, you know, when he moves on, and he will move on at some point, you you just know he'll have a connection with us. He's that sort of guy, I think. And he, he won't forget what Huddersfield Town has done for him, and we won't forget what he's done for Huddersfield Town. And I think there's more to come, because I think this team, I'll tell you when it was, the Sheffield United game, which isn't that long ago, was the first time I'd sat for 90 minutes and thought, this is a good team now. This is a good team. We only drew that game 0-0, but I thought that this is progressing, and I still think they're progressing, and that's what's exciting. Because, you know, we are going to lose a game in these next nine games. We're probably going to lose two, maybe three. Don't say that. But you still think there's a real opportunity here now. Yeah, 100%. We, 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 may, we may win all nine. 
go up second, I think, if it's we win It's not online. impossible. I mean, it, that's, it's not likely. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it, you... It's not in, it's not in completely impossible, but it's equally it's equally possible they might they, they, they could lose. I mean, Millwall's a difficult game, isn't it? It's always a yeah. difficult game. And them and the fact that they believe in each other and they're playing for the manager, and that's transcending into the stand. Which you know, after the three years we've had since we got relegated, you know, it's it's just such a joy to actually see the club progressing on the pitch. It's, you know, you can't say any more than that. Here, here. Right, guys, I'm going to move from you two guys in this box to uh, the box in the chat box. So sorry, guys, I haven't really come to you on the in the chat much tonight as, as much as usual. So a couple of polls are put in here. So uh, the first poll was uh, VAR in the championship. Yes or no? What about you guys? Johnny, yes or no VAR championship? If you'd, have, if you'd asked me before last night, <laughs> I, I, probably said, I probably said no. Um, I'm not a massive fan of VAR. No, um, so I, I won't. I'll, I'll give myself another forty hours to calm down before I before I change my mind. So I'll, I'm still saying no. I'm going to say no, Doug. Reckon yes or no? I, I I'd say no. I think there's they've, they've, the whole system's wrong. But that we're not. I'm going to start that debate right, because start we'll another night. start another episode. Over. But no, as it as it stands at the moment, no. Well, we are in the. Uh, popularity of the percentages uh, VAR in the championship yes 41% no 48 uh, and this last poll here Johnny is oh hang on where's it gone we'll have to come back to that one so I'll come to the uh, the notes I've just ended the poll and it's disappeared but it'll reappear at some point uh, right so JF said it's Prince who sung nothing compares to you and I quickly googled that and do you know what he's right it was Prince and Sinead O'Connor covered it in 1989 I, uh, I'm not all fair with Prince but I do know uh, the, uh, the our uh, former podder and uh uh, purveyor of Whopper of the Week, Neil Wayne is a massive Prince fan, so he'll probably scold me for that next time he sees me if, if he gets, listens to this episode. Uh, Jerry Hinnon says, uh, he's not too upset. If Town continue playing the way they have played last night, they won't miss the points they dropped. Uh, the, oh, the referee stole, uh, he hopes. Uh, JF says, so much to love about last night. The fact that we almost bounced back for a 3-2 as well shows how far we've come. Uh, Mark2807 says, after we scored, I thought we were bloody excellent. Controlled the game perfectly. Then late on, we changed shape, perhaps to counter Andy Carroll, and boom, it was 2-2 before we knew it. Uh, Jay says, uh, shame about the second goal. It was one of the few times we switched off uh, Hogs pass and then no one tracking Andy Carroll. That is true. He does run unchallenged, doesn't he, from the edge of the box, which is uh, a little bit disappointing, but case sera. Uh, Eddie Martin says, that was the perfect away performance for 80 minutes. Given the uh, results today, it might not look like the worst point come the end of the season. And we can take a lot from that performance going forward. Yeah, I've put something here as well, which I, I missed earlier on. I've, I've put that in terms of the top six, I think it's a good point. But in terms of the top two, it's a bad point. I think that's pretty much sums up what I feel about the result. But it's not about me. It's about these guys. Uh, Mark says, uh, Mark2807 says, awful penalty. But as Hef said on Sky, you have to get past that and really concentrate. And we switched off allowing the big man to get the header in, gutted. It felt like a defeat. Uh, but given we were so gutted at the draw away at West Brom, it shows how far we've come this season. And that is a really good point, isn't it? That West Brom, we've taken four points off West Brom. And West Brom, I think a lot of people predicted had finished in the top two this year. And, and even though they're around 12th, 13th at the minute, um, they've, still got, they've still got a hell of a side, haven't they, when you look through it. Uh, Adam Cottrell, I almost thought I said, Cattrell then. Uh, Cottrell says, nearly a textbook away performance yesterday until the ref and hog dropped. Uh, massive clangers at the end. Ward looks the fittest he's ever been. Unbelievable work rate. 
Paul Hitchinson says, I think Millwall will get sobered on Wednesday night. Uh, hope Town put them to the sword to keep pressure on Bournemouth. Feed the ward. He will score. Work rate is off the scale at the moment from the team up the town. Uh, Jerry's back. He says, all players cheat in one way or another, but I don't think every player would not get touched and throw himself to the ground holding his his head. Mowat sucks. Jerry's American, so he's allowed to say that. Um, Matt Orton says, poor decisions are made by officials week in, week out, and up and down the land, up and down the leagues. Some sort of transparency as to why decisions are made is needed. So I think Matt's on your uh, on your side there, um, Johnny. Uh, Richard Crowther says, aren't players supposed to be given retrospective punishment when found to be conning a ref for a penalty? If not, they should be. I did think that yesterday. I did think, I wonder what has happened to that because I haven't seen anybody, since VAR really, I haven't seen anybody retrospectively punished. And I do remember uh, an incident away at Bristol Rovers in 2009, I think it was, where Gary Roberts was sent off away at, I think we lost to Bristol Rovers. I think they scored a penalty. Uh, Jeff Hughes, I think, has got it. I don't know why my memory's so good on nonsense like that, and it's really bad about what happened yesterday. But you know, uh, Jeff, I think it was Hughes who scored the penalty, and uh, Gary Roberts was sent off on re-review of something that happened in the penalty box during the the skirmish, and they used the TV angle that everyone else could see, and absolutely nothing happened. So I've got no idea. I'm still 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 bitter about that. Thirteen years later, amazing. Uh, didn't realize I was. Uh, who else have we got? Paul Hitchens says Hef's a legend. Does not hold back and expresses how he feels. Uh, and Adam Cottrell says, hope Hef is in the Sky studio again on Wednesday. Hef's always on Sky, isn't he? He's, he's absolutely top class. Every time we play, Hef's there. Um, Mark says, only way VIR should be used is if a monitor at the side of the pitch where the ref could take a look uh, and for offsides. If it's not clear and obvious with a naked eye, then benefit should go to the forward. And then Adam Cottrell says, just imagine if Grant scored instead of hitting the bar, he was miles offside. It was quite close, I think, when they put the, it together. But again, I've got no idea what the rules are these days, especially at the championship. But Adam Cottrell, Hogg should have just cleared his lines, re- uh, relieved the pressure. It was daft for such an experienced player. The lads were on Wednesday. Uh, just a couple left now. Richard Crowther says, a big positive that our quick breaking attacks are getting better as the season progresses and we are looking very accomplished at it now. Uh, and Paul Hitchinson says, I've ate my words start the season. I was a big critic of Danny Ward. I've eaten humble pie. Danny Ward is our most consistent performer and Sauber is immense this season. And then he says he and Sauber nutmegged Cal Bartley about three times as well. He absolutely had him on toast, didn't he? Uh, and then JF, I think he's making a good point here, which is um, about Carlos. Uh, he says, love that Carlos says, I'm not the manager of the month. I'm the manager of the team of the month. That just shows the team and Terry's spirit. And I think Carlos comes out of, every time he speaks, I know a lot of people are critical that they can't quite 100% sell what Carlos is saying. And he does have a thick Spanish accent, but, and, you know, his English is his second language, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are facts not not made up. But he's, he's the more you listen to him, the easier it, it becomes, you know. Um, and I think what's really good about Carlos is he, he always handles himself. I've got a picture on my phone that I took because I was laughing because he looks so furious. And I thought, finally, Carlos is going to tear strips off someone in an interview. And he didn't. He was, as always, Carlos was incredibly dignified in the responses he gave. He went, yes, it was a penalty, but we've got to respond better, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he always gives a really good, honest response. And he never goes to town on a referee, never makes excuses. And he's, he always, the book always stops with him. I think there's a lot of, a lot of credit with Carlos. And he's always done this. It's not something that he's done because we're winning. He's, he did it last year as well when we were losing. And I think Carlos carries himself very well. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually very pleased that Carlos is, Maybe I wouldn't have said this 12 months ago, but I'm very pleased that Carlos is the manager of Huddersfield Town because not only because we're doing well on the pitch, but off the pitch, uh, Carlos, I think, carries himself incredibly well and I think he suits the football club with you know, his personality as well. So a good point that Jay's made about Carlos and his uh, manager of the month. And I did a final poll 
And the final poll was, does Johnny have a look of Christopher Schindler? And it was 50% say yes, the handsome bugger. And 50% said nah, not at all. So, you know, the jury's still on that, still out on that one, Johnny. So there we go. From a slight angle, I think, with a squint, maybe there's a uh, maybe a look there. I'll, I'll happily, I'll <laughs> happily take 50%. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, that's it from uh, from the guys in the uh, chat box. Thank you very much for for tuning in and joining us. If you guys could click on the like button and share it and things like that, that really helps put the podcast under more people's eyes. Of a, you know, it's not an ego thing. It just pops up on more on more searches. That's all, and, and pops up on as suggested things for people to watch. It just it just puts it in front of towns uh, town fans' eyes. That's all. Uh, right. I think the last points we've really got to make really. Um, Oh yeah, I've got the a bit about Carlos and his dignity comparing that to Steve Bruce who sort of sat there and and barefacedly said that West Bromwich Albion should have nicked the game. I was just like, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> if I'd have had a cabbage, I'd have thrown it at him. But, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But uh, Dag, season cards. Um, maybe this could be something for ATT moving forward altogether town. I think there's a meeting there quite soon. But usually they're on sale about now, aren't they? And I think that links nicely. I think there are a lot of... Um, there's a lot of uh, Twitter accounts, uh, you know, take pictures of away fans, post them, and then people just say, what a load of Tim Pot shit, you know, and, you know, it's, it's what these accounts do. And they were doing that about the Huddersfield support at West Brom, which, you know, everybody that went to West Brom has got, you know, my 100% respect. They made more noise than the West Brom fans, you know, for over the course of the 90 minutes. They were, they were superb. And, okay, maybe there wasn't 10,000 of us there. Uh, you know, I didn't go because work-wise and Sky have moved it. Um and I think this links, you know, the season cards going on sale. I think some of the home attendances probably deserved more than what we've got. I know people went to the Cardiff and Swansea ones when it was a bit cheaper, et cetera. But I do, I do think that we perhaps need to sort of have a, I think maybe about how we can get some lapsed fans back in the ground as well. Cause I, I know price isn't always the motivating factor, is it for a lot of people? I think Dean Hoyle coming back has had a positive effect for some people as well. Maybe some people, maybe not so much, but I think largely that's had a positive effect on those that didn't like Phil Hodgkinson and are starting to slowly return. But I think they need to get these season cards right as well, Dag, because I don't think any mass increases or anything, but I think town, I've got a really good opportunity here to get everybody back in. That was perhaps there in 2019 where we had around 18,000 season ticket holders. And because town economically need to, have a home crowd of 20,000, really need an energized home fan base of around 20,000. Uh, the output in terms of commercials will go up, you know, and, and that all then puts the club in a really strong position to sort of uh, have a, a tilt at a top six, a top 10 year on year in the championship rather than a 12,000 home crowd, um, barely paying or barely buying shirts, etc. But I think it's quite key this, how, how they play this. And it'll be interesting to see how Dean does it. Um, I was just a bit puzzled because in the previous three, four, five years, we've known how much they would be and you were able to buy them around this time of year, weren't you? And if you wanted to renew, they were encouraging people to, to actually do that as early as possible. I don't think there's anything sinister in that, but it, I think you're right. And it's interesting what Dean's trying to do with, so for example, the Bournemouth tickets next week are a tenner for people who aren't season card holders. Um, and I think that's a good thing, and I, and I hope, you know, you know, I've said we could win the next nine games. I, I was being a bit facetious, but if we lost against Millwall, it'd be amazing how many people who think oh, I'm not going to spend a tenner going watch town, you know, 
they're about to blow it again because that's that's the mentality of town fans. I, you know, I'm one myself, so I, I know exactly what that means. But I think there's it's going to be interesting to see how things develop at the club going forward. I don't think we can recreate exactly what we had 16, 17 and the work that Sean Jarvis and Dean and David Wagner pulled together. But I think there is an opportunity here to make the club better. And without getting too too morose about things, there's lots of things going on in the world at the moment. And the cost of things is going to, is going to make a difference to some people. And it's got to be priced correctly. It's got to be also attractive in terms of what they expect on the pitch. But I think there is an opportunity, whereas with overspending, some clubs are still struggling after COVID. I don't know what our position is, and Dean Hall would have to tell us at some point, and I'm sure he will at the appropriate time. And, and I don't think that time is this moment, because I think we need to focus on these next nine games now because of the opportunity we've got. But the opportunity is there for the club to re-engage with some of those lost fans, to get them in and say, we've got a sustainable model here, which will mean that year on year, we'll look to steadily improve and provide you with good football at hopefully a competitive price. And as you say, Matt, getting those season ticket holders we had in the 16-17 season with the deal that we had then, that sort of propelled us to the next level. And that made a difference in those games, we needed to win at the business end of the season. You know, the, the Preston game, you know, you think of the, that game, the playoff game, you know, I know we didn't win that, that that afternoon, but that is all about building for the future. So I'm a bit surprised we haven't heard about the season tickets. There's probably a very good reason, um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think, I, mean, I don't know, but I guess... You're right in saying there's a lot of things going on out, outside of football. There's also, it's probably been the most turmoil behind the scenes, non-football in Huddersfield Town for a number of years. Even when it transitioned from Hoyle to Hodgkinson, it was very planned, it was very structured. We knew what was happening early doors. I know there's been the issue with the Southport, etc., but it, it was delayed a little bit. But we, we knew, I think for a long time, um, probably since administration, that we've had a little bit of un unexpected change um, behind the scenes so you know, that that will probably be sorted now given where we are if we've had a bit of a release of information the information normally comes quite a few weeks after the actual fact um, it might have been a little bit they're the looking to structure it right like you've both alluded to probably a little bit behind we need to work out who's where what's what before we do that um, I think you're right I think with everything in the pitch and the ethos of the players and what the players have done and, and how the players and Carlos have tried to create a new environment around the club um, off the pitch they can really capitalise that it's a shame they've kind of already had a new beginning I think that was a 1994-5 season Neil Warnock yeah. was a new beginning I think that was that one um, but it kind of is a little bit like that isn't it but yeah with, I mean with marketing it right pricing it right um, using the success of the whatever happens this season um, they deserve real credit. The club deserves real credit for, for what's happened, um, how, they, how they've had to change things around. And I think there's a real opportunity to kind of get people back or get new people in. Um, and like you say, you do need, these opportunities do need to be taken um, because it makes a real difference to a club at our level. Um, how many people in the ground? Um, certainly whilst we play in the championship, the club 
that have done well. Um, when we've got the fans, we've always used the fans. The fans always help the club um, on the pitch. Um, so it, it, it is important. So maybe it's just a bit of time. Maybe it's a bit of the bit of messiness. Do you know what I mean? Behind the scenes in the boardroom, it's slightly delayed that. But um, like I said, I don't think it's anything kind of sinister or necessary to to, to worry about. Um, it might be the fact it's we see it in a couple of weeks, but. As long as I don't lose my seat, that's all I'm bothered about. <laughs> so you're definitely renewing then. That's a good that's a good point. <laughs> I think it, I think it's I don't think there's anything sinister in it. I think there are a lot of things that need to be sorted out and I think that those are discussions. You know, I'd have questions based on what's gone on in the past and what we've learned from the past. But that doesn't matter for the moment because what matters is what happens in these next nine games and beyond that. Um, and I think that's what we need to focus on. But going forward, you know, say we weren't successful um, in getting promotion this season, which you know is perfectly perfectly possible. You know, as we're not nailed on to be promoted by any stretch, and we lose a Lewis O'Brien and we lose a Silver Thomas because they are good players and they're still going to attract Premiership clubs and they're going to attract good fees because they are good players. So you need to have some confidence that we're able to identify replacements and recruit replacements. Now, after this time last year, I'd have, I'd have come on here and said the recruitment team, I haven't got a clue what they're doing. I'm facing them. Hmm. That's clearly, I was clearly wrong because of the job that they've done this year. So the succession planning that they have and how that will work, because I'm, I'm sure that Dean will come on and tell us at some point, we're still a selling club. Every club is a selling club to a degree, but we will be doing the same model, I think, that Phil introduced, which is to bring young players through, get people out of academies at, who have been rejected, make the most of those, get um, good value additions in development and sell them on. That will be our model, but actually get benefit from them while they're with us. As long as we can see that that's what it is and we can see evidence of players being recruited of that nature, I don't think people have a problem with that. And I don't think, given the economic climate that we have in the world at the moment, I don't think you're going to get loads of billionaires throwing money at football clubs in the short term. So that model, to me, is what we need to do. It's just a question. Where we've got a st stolen a march with what's happened this year is people now believe that what Lee Bromby and the team do works what Dean did in actually changing the academy works. What Carlos is doing in terms of his team ethos and the, the way the team play works. So that's three things all in tandem that are really working well. And you can see the evidence of that. Provided we can build on that structure and keep it working. And don't throw millions at it. Don't be buying the embenders and the deer carbies anymore. Let's use that structure and see where that takes us. But I think that's what I'd be doing if I was selling it, and at a decent price. And, you know, let's be honest. Win the next three games, you could put the season tickets out for sale in the international break, and people would probably buy them in, like, hot cakes, wouldn't they? Mm. Lose the next three games, and they're a difficult sell. That's just a fact of life, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. I think that's probably a good place to end, but we'll, what we'll do is we'll go through some of the comments, because a few more have come in uh, about the season card stuff. Uh, Adam Cottrell says schools promotions in the FM lower hasn't really happened this season question mark and I think part of that is because they struggled for a safety certificate for the FM lower for quite a while I, I can't I don't, I'm not 100% sure why 
Um, but I do know there was some sort of COVID regulation involved at some point, and that is, I think, where they do the jabs as well. And there are all, sort, all sorts going on there. But they did manage to get it for the Cardiff game, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could bring that back. And I think you've always got to look at uh, the future, haven't you? Because your know, adults get bored. You know, I, I know we know people online, you know, and, and in person that have kind of just fall out with it, don't they? And it happens. You know, everyone falls out with it at some point. They come back at some point, or they might not. But you've constantly got to look to churn in, you know, and get the the new ones through, especially the kids in the local area uh, from there. So, you know, that's going to be interesting moving forward. Uh, Adam also says Dean is good at getting fans in, get him on the pod. If Dean ever wants to come on this pod, he is more than welcome to do so. And, you know, we can obviously host a, a Q&A for him uh, via here as well, if he would ever want to do that, you know, and, and take questions from uh, social media. Um, but, you know, that's up to Dean. Uh, Jay says, uh, Mora Mora coming back. I think it's an easier sell to mates now we're winning. Uh, I'm bringing two versus Luton. So good on you. I think that's something that town fans need to try and do as well to try and boost the boost the numbers. Uh, do you remember when we used to have season cards? I think it might have even been Ken Davian. There was a friend for a fiver voucher in there and things like that, weren't they? They were quite good back in the day. And people are always scramble around for them, wouldn't they? Has anyone got a friend for a fiver? Bloody paying you tight bastard. <laughs> used, to quite, used to get quite a lot of that back in the day. But yeah, I think, you know, it's not always just on the club to get people in. You know, uh, I bring a mate. I've got a mate who who's from Poland, who's now adopted Huddersfield as his um, number one English team because I've managed to drag him down to a couple of games, you know, here and there. So, you know, um, Jay says it might be good to make the walk down the kill in the bank easier and safer. Someone's going to get run over one night. I don't walk down that way. So I just went on Twitter to share the link and I found this from a West Brom fan and it doesn't work, Jay, but never mind. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Adam says we'll sell out most games next season in the Premier League which I'm sure they will and the West Brom fans say sure how poor the league is that Huddersfield are where they are in the league such an average team of no-name players who just seem to run around a lot well I think that says more about the West Brom fan than what it does about everyone else and this is the thing I think we, we go about talk about football snobbery and everything and everybody's just a sort of a sheep to uh, to the Premier League wagon out there these days um, if you don't know who, who some of these Huddersfield Town players are, then that shit says more about you than what it does about the Huddersfield Town, so never mind. Um, and Jay, yeah, he's obviously not overly enthused by that. And then uh, the last few comments, Mark says, lockdown and empty stadiums had a lot to do with this. Uh, Phil didn't really do the promotions like Dean uh, does, which was a shame. Probably lost quite a few fans over the last couple of years. I think we probably have, but I think that's probably more to the results as much as anything as well. And it, it was a tough watch, wasn't it, last year with Carlos and Cowley? Um, I think there's elements of that. And I think I think one thing as well is we thought when we got relegated from the Premier League, we would come down and our standing in the Premier League would move up a notch and we would be able to throw a lot more punches than what we were doing uh, when we came down. I think that first game against Derby where we, we got beat by Derby and deservedly so, I think everybody was like, oh, we're back to being crap again in the Championship. And I think that affected people as much as as much as everything as well. And then Adam says, uh, we are the piss-boiling champions. I think that happens whether we go up or not, doesn't it? Uh, and then Bez says, hope Dean will honour the price freeze Phil promised to people who renewed in lockdown. Uh, but that's it, I think, for tonight. Any last words from you guys? Don't think so, Matt. Thank you. No, good stuff. Uh, excellent debut, Dag. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you back uh, sometime as well in, in the future. Uh, keep ringing Radio Leeds as well if you can get on the line for Cosy. Uh, good to see you again, Johnny, as well, and good to see. I'll try and, I'll try and stop that cosy getting on. You know, <laughs> I know. So get get him off in. 
Ruddy no. <laughs> You'll never get Cozzy off. Uh, Cozzy's in Spain no, at the minute. No. He's uh, he's not on the pod this week because he got he got to go watch Atletico Madrid. So he uh, he's in sunny climes, happy as Larry at the minute. He'll probably listen to this later in their week. So we'll send our love to the Cosmeister. Uh, and thanks as well, Johnny, for coming on. We'll we'll definitely see you again soon. And thanks to everybody online. Like I say, just just help us out by liking it and sharing it, and that that means a lot to us. Uh, and uh, let's roll in a little bit of Chris Carter. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 